Hello and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you are tuning in, and hope that you would be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I submit myself to you now. Have your way in me. Speak through me. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, O God. Lord, that every person that hears me today, O God, receive whatever it is that you have to say to them, God. And Lord, that we won't just take this word and say it was a good word, Lord, Lord, but we'll apply it, O God, wherever it needs to be applied in our lives. I thank you for the opportunity, O God, to serve you today, O God. I submit my will. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, TCF. So glad to see you. Good morning to you online watching with us. We pray that I pray that you're praying with me and for me this morning as, as I present the word of God. Um, I was praying this week and, and, and uh, talking with Pastor B. Let me give honor to God for Pastor B this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise. Come on. That's our pastor. Let's bless the Lord for him. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we don't say that just to put him on a pedestal, but we honor the man of God that God has put over this house. And we understand that it is an important role that he plays in seeing all of this come together. So we thank God for his obedience to God. Amen. 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 And I thank God for his wife, Lady O, and, and everybody, all the leadership, everybody here assembled, those of you watching online, we just thank God. So I'm going to get right into what I'm here to do. So this morning, um, like I said, I was praying with praying about what to preach this morning, and I was going back and forth between one thing, me and Pastor B were talking about something, and I was studying that, and the Lord was like, nope, that's not it. And so I was like, okay, so he took me back here this morning. So I just pray that you receive what the Lord has to say. So this morning, my message called is simply called strange fire. Somebody say strange fire. Come on, somebody say strange fire. In the chat online, make sure you put that strange fire. So amen, amen. So today I want to talk about uh, our commitment to God. Uh, it is so awesome to know we have access to the all-seeing and all-knowing God, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen. If you ask, and if I asked you this morning, what are you willing to give God so that he might get all of the glory out of your life? What would your answer be? I want you to think about that. If you really had to think about it, and I'm sure we've all asked that. We even sang it this morning. I give you all of me, right? What does that really mean? We sing that so easily. But when we really think about the words that we're saying, have we really taken account for what we're putting out into the atmosphere? What are we doing? What, how are we giving our lives to him? What are you willing to take on or give up to see the fullness of purpose activated in your life? Those are the questions that we're thinking about this morning. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Leticia. And I'm Boomi. And we are from Transformation Music. And we are so excited to let you guys know that we just released our first ever single. It's called Be Exalted. And it's available right now on all platforms. You can find it on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, you name it, it's there. So go ahead and download it right now. We're so excited to share this with you, and we hope you enjoy it too. Absolutely. And as always, transformation starts. Hey! 
So worship plays a huge role in our relationship with God. It is our relationship with God. Some would say it is where you can be the most intimate and the most vulnerable with him. So I want to get right into our text today. So I'm coming out of the book of Leviticus, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. And I'll read it, and it says this, and I'm coming from the King James Version. It says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them this, his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Amen. So we enter the story as a burnt offering has just been given unto the Lord, and Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron, uh, who were high priests uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the Israelites, with the Israelites. Um, and they have made up their minds that they want to offer up the offering to the Lord, and it is in the form of fire. This is not a strange occurrence for them because they were known. This is a known practice amongst the priests of the time. And they had a certain ritual they would do when they went to the temple to worship the Lord. And they presented this fire, uh, a facility of fire to the Lord uh, as, a, as a burnt offering unto God. And so what's interesting about this is that in this particular case, that Nadab and Abihu decided to do something different today. This time, this particular time, they had orders. God had already given them assignment of how to go about. There were instructions specifically on how to properly worship the Lord. Right. And they had made a decision. You know what? We're going to do something a little bit different. I know that this is what God said, but maybe if we do it this way, maybe we'll see something different come out of this experience. But God said, I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for that. So as we look at our commitment, we're tying this to our commitment today. And what I mean by commitment, I mean is that our, our, our presentation to the Lord, our, our, our will, what is our, or his will in our life, basically. Um, I have to ask the question as we're talking about that. What is the source of your fire? What is the source of your fire? So fire, when we think about fire, we can think about it in the place of ambition, purpose. Um, and so sometimes some of us have the right ambition. Some of us have an ambition to do the things that we do, the things that we're passionate about, the things that we say that we are called to do, right? We say we, we say that, and it can come out of a place of wanting to really see God fulfilled in, in our lives, right? We want to see the fullness of God show up in our lives. We say that, again, like I said, we sang it this morning, you can have all of me because I want to be your words, my mouth, your, your, you know, all of those things. We say that so easily, but when we really take the time to say, what, see what that looks like, what does that really is? What is the source? Some people have their source of ambition may not be to really see God's glory revealed in life. It may be pride. The ambition of their heart might be that they are proud. They're too proud to really let go of the things that might be getting in the way of them really seeing God move in their lives. But because they're so proud, everything that they do is, move, is moving out of that position of pride. Is that your position today? Some people might be moving out of a spirit of envy. Their passion might be motivated by envy. They see somebody with something else and they want what they have. And so everything that they do, every move that they make is, moved, is based out of envy. It's not out of what God has asked them to do, but it's out of something that of somebody else's that they want. They want to take on somebody else's 
uh, uh, commitment, right? Or maybe it's out of status. Again, it's tied to envy. You see somebody that you see money, you see wealth, you see the cars, the clothes, and all the things. So every move that you made is make is based out of wanting to have the nice things and nice cars and be called by a certain title, pastor, doctor, apostle. You're not okay with being elder or minister. You got to be apostle nowadays to be somebody. I used to be bishop was the standard, right? But now all of a sudden, apostle came into play, and now everybody wants to be apostle this, apostle that, and they have no clue what that really means. Right. But they but they want that because they feel like they see all of the the hype around it. Right. They see all the people adoring them and they see all the social media attention and all of these things. Enamored. Thank you. They're enamored with that. And so everything that they do now, oh, I got to make sure my my my. My uh, IG account is just right. I got to make sure that I'm looking the part. I got to make sure that I'm saying something that sounds like I know what I'm talking about, but I have no idea what I'm really saying. But because of the ambition of my heart, I'm putting all of my energy behind that. And see, let's go back to the scripture. God had already given them uh, Ahab and Abihu, uh, Nadab, sorry, and Abihu uh, instruction on how he desired to be worshipped. He had already given them. It was set. They didn't have to do nothing but just follow the plan. It was already set, and they had to do it. But the source in which they got the fire, which was outside of the normal source of the fire, was different. See, fire was not kindled from the burnt offering, which was, the fire was not kindled from the burnt offering that was offered or associated with the uh, atoning and the redeeming work of sacrifice. So what I'm saying is, is that normally when they would offer this burnt sacrifice, there was a certain fire that was used uh, specifically uh, being associated with the atoning and the redeeming work of sacrifice. And so they took the fire from a different place this time, which was outside of what God had, the instructions of God said. So how, when I look at that, I was like, wow, the fire was kindled uh, from the burnt offerings, usually from a place that was a part of atoning. What is atoning? Meaning is that how we bring ourselves, connect ourselves closer to God, the, 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 rec the reconciling of us to God. That's what atoning is. And then also the redeeming work of sacrifice. So if we really understand what we don't realize, what we may not realize is that the works of Leviticus. Leviticus was a chapter that was built on the rituals of sacrifice that the priest did. It was the setting up of how they, how they did worship, right? And what it was really was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do later in his ultimate sacrifice, which was for the atonement of the people, right, to reconcile us with God, to put us back in right relationship. So what was happening in this time where God was setting up with the Israelites through the priests was an understanding of what atonement was, an understanding what true sacrifice meant. And so that meant you couldn't come before God any type of way. There had to be a perfect, in, in, in a way that he had to come, he had to come from a pure place. The fire had to be a place of purification. And, and so that's why it was important that you just didn't take this fire for any particular place. You had to come from the place of the, of the fire that was used for atonement and the redeeming of sacrifice. And so that was important. So the scripture in the King James Version, which is why I chose this version, calls this fire that they used a strange fire. A strange fire. So when we look up the definition of strange, strange means unfamiliar in a way that is unsettling or hard to understand. So what does that mean? That God... When you present something before him that is not from him, it's unfamiliar to him. It's some place, it's a place that, uh, what, what did I say? He's, it, it's hard for him to understand. And I can imagine God is like, I, I mean, he understands all things, but he, in my mind I could think he's like, what is so hard about what I've told you to do? 
What do you believe that's going to be accomplished by you going outside of what I have commanded? I am God. I'm not just one of your friends. I'm not just one of these other people. I am the Lord, thy God, that brought you up out of darkness, that brought you up out of the, out of the place of sorrow. But you have made a decision to do something outside of my will as if you know better than I do. Right? And maybe in their mind, they were thinking they were doing something. They were up in the game. They were like, well, God, I know you want this, but maybe if I do this, God is like, I don't need your help in me being God. I don't need your help in that, right? So, again, it's strange, unfamiliar in a way that is unsettling or hard to understand. In the NIV version, it calls it an unauthorized. Unauthorized fire. And then also there's another translation that calls it profane or unholy. And so when you think about fire from that place of passion, where is your passion? Where is your fire coming from? That's why I asked the question, what is the source of your fire? Is it unfamiliar to God? Or is it something that he's familiar with? And why do I ask that? Because how, 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 so the question I'm asking you is, how has fire shown up in your life? What are we offering up to God in the form of fire or passion? And based on that fire, how are we looking for God to show up for us? Meaning that what is out of the ambition of your heart, what are you hoping that will be accomplished through God? Again, I have to ask, if, the, if it's coming from the right place, our only accomplishment for, or our only purpose, our only uh, wish from God or, per, or hope from God is that his glory is revealed in our lives. That's the most purest way to look at it, right? I mean, that, and that comes in so many different forms and ways depending on what your life journey is supposed to be. But sometimes when we get in the, the, the idea or the passion or the fire of pride and, and envy and status and all these things, our judgment is clouded. And we ask God for these things and we ask out of and what the Bible says when we pray amiss, meaning that we're not praying out of his will for us. We're praying out of those places of flesh because really that's what it boils down to. It comes out of our flesh. It prays. So I'm asking you again today, think about your life, the things that you're expecting from God, the things that you're asking him for, the things that you would say that you're passionate about. Maybe you don't know what your passion is, but what is the thing that drives you? Let me put it that way. What is the end result for that drive? Is it so that God might be truly glorified or is it that you can just tell other people what you got? Is it for you to look the best on the gram? You have the hottest pictures to be the, the, be the, the next trending thing. Is that your goal? Because guess what? You'll get that, but it'll end right there. It'll end right there. So... We want God to present himself in all of his glory in our lives. We want, we want God, I want all, again, I got I thank you. You guys are just right on point this morning. I want to give you all of me, right? And we accept and we are willing to take everything he has. God, I want everything you got for me. I want all the stuff. I want everything. Lord, 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 overflow. Bless me indeed, oh God. Enlarge my territory, right? We say, we know how to, listen, I've been in church a long time. I know, I know how it goes. And we say, God, I want all of you, but yet... We only want to give him what we are comfortable with giving him. Or we want to give him what we think he is, what we think we should give him in order to get a certain result. And so we give him terms and conditions for our worship. When the only terms and condition he gives, he asks from us is just that we give him all of us. But we come with, Lord, I'll do this if. If you just do this for me, I will do this as if we can barter with God, as if we can as if we can uh, 
put ourselves in a position to say, uh, Lord, I know you are this and I know you're God of all, but I don't want you to mess with this over here. I just need you to, to work over here in this area because if you do that, then I'll be good. I'll be straight. But God's like, I want to deal with that stuff over there because that stuff over here is keeping you far from me. I ain't worried about this over here because I know you'll be good over there. But, oh, actually, you won't be good because if I give you that, then your commitment to me will, will dwindle. Yeah. You ever seen those people that when things are rough and things are bad, they're running to the church house and they got asked everybody to pray for them. Lord, I need you. Lord, pastor, can you pray? And sister so-and-so, can you pray? Because it's just the devil has been busy in my life. And I just need a breakthrough. I just need a miracle. And they're sincere, right? They're sincere. I'm not trying to talk about that. I'm not trying to talk about We all have been in that place where we needed that extra help in prayer. But what happens when all the things are good? What happens to that same passion, that same fervor that we had to get? I mean, we were running to the church house. Every time the altar opened, we were standing right there. None of us really truly want to be in a place where we're, we're dealing with stuff that we're not supposed to be dealing with. We want to be delivered. We want to be set free. But what I mean by that is that some of us have been dealing in some stuff for so long that we become comfortable in our mess. And to the point where now if God actually does something about it, we actually don't want him to mess with it because it will take us out of our comfortable zone. It will make us vulnerable. It will make us feel some type of way because now I got to really deal with me. I got to really deal with my heart. I got to really deal with my issues. It ain't, it ain't everybody else. It ain't the devil. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit, right? We give him too much credit. But what he's really trying to get us to understand is that the devil's only doing what he's doing in this part. Some of the stuff that's happening is because of what we are doing. And he's saying, listen, all I need you to do is give me all of you for real. Don't just sing it. But really, let me deal with that stuff, because I promise you on the other side of that, there's so much more joy and peace. And the things that you really have been asking for and been praying for, I can do it, but I can't do it until you get your heart right before me, right? To see the fullness of God, because see, God has grace and he has mercy. and He allows some things to come into our lives. But to have the fullness of what God's I mean, everything that he has, we have to be in a certain position with him. Our fire, our passion, our ambition has to be reconciled with him. So that was my first point. What is the source of your fire? I hope you got that point down. What is the source of your fire? So moving to my second point, our strange fire will kill our potential. Once Nadab and Abihu presented their fire to God, they were consumed by the fire of God and died there before the Lord. Verse 2 says, and there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Fire is a representation of searching, judgment, and purification. So that same fire that consumed them was the same fire that's mentioned in Leviticus 9, the chapter before that, 24. And 9, 24 says, this, and there came out a fire from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. So in this particular case, we saw fight the fire, that same fire that consumed them in a different way. It was used to reveal the aweness and the glory of God. It was used to reveal his power, his majesty. They saw and they began to worship the Lord out of the, the performance of fire that came out of that experience in, in chapter 9. And then now we see that same fire in verse 10 that was used to bring judgment on Nadab and Abihu. So what am I trying to get at is that the fire that God uses, the fire that comes from God, the passion that he's looking for from us it has it's the same the same fire that we have to be submitted to and to reveal his glory in our lives but that same fire will be used to discern and judge our hearts 
It has to be. It has to be. So it, so it brought about judgment based on God's discerning of their hearts. So why did God consume them? Why didn't he just chastise them? Why didn't he tell them that wasn't right? Why did he consume them? Well, there was a couple of things there. One, he had already put them in a position of where they should have understood their, 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 their work. They were priests. These were learned men. They had understood their assignment. These weren't people that were just coming in trying to figure it out. No, God had already, had, they had already had experiences with God. They had met him on Mount Sinai. They had seen him at work. They knew who he was. They knew who he was, but they still somehow decided that they knew better than him and went, and went ahead and did what they wanted to do. But God had discerned in their hearts in that, in that moment that what they were doing was not of him. And so I bring that again. So when you think about the passion and the desire, and then when we present ourselves before God thinking that he's going to do all the things that we want for him, but we can't, but we're only coming with the fire or the strange fire that we're choosing to present before him as if that's going to make a difference. God is saying, I'm judging, I'm discerning your heart behind what you're doing. So everything that you do when you say you're doing it in the, in the, in the, as in the work of the Lord, you got to make sure that your heart is in the right position because God is discerning that when you present yourself before him, when his glory comes up, when it shows up in the room, he's discerning our hearts. He's dealing with our hearts and we have to make sure that our heart and our mind and everything is connected to his will and that none of our, none of our intentions, none of our purpose is tied to anything else but his will. We had to know that. And why is that so important? Because when we're tied to him, we don't have to worry about a thing. His glory can be revealed in us. Like I said in verse in chapter nine, when they went about it the right way, when they worshiped him the right way, when they served him. So what? let me put this out there. Worship, when I say worship, I don't just mean what we did in here this morning by lifting our hands and saying hallelujah. Worship is our life. It's our life. It's how we live, how we move, how we go through the earth, how we, how we treat other people, the intention in our heart, everything that we do, even when we serve, when you guys lead worship, whenever, whatever you do, whatever you do as unto the Lord, that is our worship. That is our worship. Our time, our talents, our gift, that is our worship. And so I want to make sure you understand this. I'm not just looking at this from a, vain, uh, a very superficial way of worship. I'm looking at this as your life. How are you presenting yourself before God? And when you have come into the knowledge of what he requires of you, how have you manipulated that? Or are you manipulated? Or maybe you weren't aware you are. But when you go back to the scripture and discern what it is that God requires of us, when we come up here with anything else other than what he has required, he's discerning our hearts and he's judging our hearts to understand you're presenting something strange to me. This is unfamiliar. This isn't tied to my will. So when we, we must understand that the same God that is motivated to reveal his glory in us was when we have surrendered our whole selves to him in time, talent, or gift, it is the same God that will be motivated to kill any profane or strange offering we submit to him in hopes that he will accept our attempt of worship that is based on vain, selfish glory. He, he swallowed them up because he recognized that the fire that they were presenting was outside of his will. And so he said, you know what? I can't allow this to stay in my presence. And he consumed them up. So I'm, what I'm trying to help you understand is that whatever your intention, whatever the motivation of your heart is, be sure that it's in the will of God because if not, he can. you're killing the potential of your life. That's why I said uh, to understand our strange fire will kill our potential. So everything God has already seen, that he already knows the thoughts and the plans for our life. He sees the ending already at the beginning. He knows exactly how our lives can play out when we do it in his will. But when we do anything other than that, 
We're killing our own potential. We think we know what we want. We think we know what God wants for us. We try to figure it out. We get in his way all the time. We all have been there. I deal with that. I've dealt with that. Where, I, where God has given me a glimpse of my life, and because I don't see it working fast enough, I don't see it moving the way I think it should go, then I start to put my own plans into action, and I'm killing the progress that he's making when I follow his plan. So what I'm trying to get you to understand that this fire, this passion, this motivation of what you're doing, it has to be tied to his will. It has to be under his instruction because when you get in his way, when you move outside of his will, you're killing the very thing that you're trying to pursue. You're killing the pursuit of what you think you're getting to. And see what it is that sometimes we don't want to get into that place of, of, of really allowing God to be in control or to be in control of our lives. Because when we do that, we have to see ourselves and we see the ugly parts of ourselves. We see the, the issues and the things where we try to blame other people, where we try to put it on other people. We realize that we're really the culprit of the issue. We've allowed those people to hurt us. We've allowed those people to deal with us the way and we get mad. I had a friend who uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was, in, I was at another church, and uh, this friend was there at the church, and they just had an attitude, and they were mad, and they went up for prayer, and I could just sense that their spirit was just off. And so after service, I was like, is everything okay? Is everything cool? And they were like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. But I knew what that meant. No, something's really wrong. Anyway, but I talked to them the next day. I said, I'm not going to talk to them today because they're really not ready to talk about it. So I, talk, I called them tomorrow. I called them the next day, and they began. I said, are you good? And they started to say, yeah. I said, are you sure? They said, yeah. And I asked the third time, are you really, really sure? Well, da 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 Right? They started going into all the things. But what they were doing, they were upset with somebody else because of something that they had done. But the problem was, and when I was hearing the story back, I was like, but you allowed it. You allowed it. You're upset. And the thing was, they hadn't told the person what they were upset about. But because the issue was a persistent issue and they kept letting it happen and letting it happen and they kept going back to the same situation. So the other person in is thinking that this is okay. I can continue to act this way. I can continue to behave this way because you're not responding to anything that I'm doing in a manner that says that I can't do it. And so because of that, this person is acting out and doing behavior that's unbecoming to you. And you're sitting here mad and stewing. But you haven't said anything. You haven't done anything. You haven't put yourself in a position to, to, allow God, uh, to allow God to change the situation. So we can't get mad about what we allow. We can't get mad about it. And so that's why I said when we kill potential, we're killing potential. We're killing with the purpose that God has intended for our lives when we get in his way. Or when we don't handle things the way God intended for us to handle them. So the fire that, uh, let's see where I'm at. The fire that God accepts brings about a purification in our lives. Our offerings to him should always lead to a cleansing or purification that brings us to complete surrender and wholeness in him and atonement and reconciling with God. We have to know that everything that we do, everything through every day that we live, breathe, and have our being is always to bring us closer to him, to draw us closer to him so that our lives can be so aligned with his will for our life that we have no other desire but to please him. And what does that mean? That doesn't mean that you have to give up all of the nice things that you have in life. Sometimes God does allow these things in our lives, but it's only to add to, to bringing him glory. Everything that I have in my life, I remember when I was younger, I used to have this desire to have this huge mansion and I wanted all these cars and all these things. And then I started started seeing other people's lives that live those types of lives and I saw how much pain and how much depression and how much stuff they were going through and they had no real relationship with God and I'm thinking God well if that brings that I don't really want that for my life 
because I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed my relationship with you, and I enjoyed having a closeness with you. And I thank you that though even when I've gone through things, when I've had bouts with depression, I knew that I had somebody by myself to help pull me out of it. See, that's the thing that we don't understand. Those of us who have relationship with Christ, those of us who have a, 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 a purpose with Christ, even the, the things that God allows in our lives that he brings into our lives, when we have him by ourselves, no matter what we're going through, we have somebody to run back to. See, people that aren't, don't have a relationship with Christ, they don't have anything to go to when things get bad. They're sitting there dealing with They don't know what to do. They're, they're worried. But we have the Holy Spirit. He has given us the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to have relationship. That's why our worship has to come before him. Our fire has to be ripe so that we can always be aligned. We can hear him clearly. We can know what his wisdom is. We can understand his power and how it works in our lives. And we can have an assurance. That's why we have to know the word of God for ourselves. Because when we know the word of God for ourselves, there is nothing nor anything that can harm us or hurt us. And the Holy Spirit can rise up in us in those moments of weakness, in those moments of darkness, and bring light to a dark situation. But we can only have that when we have relationship with him, when our passion is, is connected, when our fire is connected, it's kindled from the right source. When it's kindled from the right source, God can illuminate every dark place in our lives. Hallelujah. I thank you for illuminating our lives, oh God, so that we can be purified, that we can be justified by faith. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So that brings me to my third point. I'm almost done, y'all. Listen, I thank the Lord for this. But anyway... The number three, verse three, I mean, uh, point number three. So let's go back first, really. The first two points are, what is the source of your fire? The second one is understanding our strange fire will kill our potential. But I want to also talk about this. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brandon Hill, the senior pastor here of Transformation Christian Fellowship. Hey, I want to invite you to seven days of prayer. Yes, seven days of prayer where we are going to be speaking to God. There will be a prayer topic for each day. Listen, we're believing God uh, for some things as a church and not only as a church, but we're believing some things for God individually. We're believing for some breakthroughs that happen on this second part of the year. And as we go into a new year, praying for direction, clarity and, and, and purpose uh, for where we're going next. And I want you to take a part of that because I'm believing that there's going to be some major breakthroughs, uh, transformation that's going to happen in your life and some clarity. You want to participate in the seven days of prayer from August 1st to August 7th. So do me a favor right now. I want you to register online so you can be a part of the seven days of prayer every morning at 6 a.m. You do not want to miss it. And on August 7th, we're going to have a praise party, a praise and prayer party where we're going to pray. We're going to praise and take Holy Communion. You don't want to miss it. I can't wait to see you for the seven days of prayer. And remember, transformation starts here. That's why we have to be careful what you ask for when we're talking about the fire of God in our lives. Being whole means we have to give up the stuff we don't want him to touch, meaning that we have to be willing to let go of those things that even are, are kind of have we become comfortable with. We have to let those. Are you willing to give up that comfortable relationship that know that, you know, is killing your spiritually, killing you spiritually? Are you willing to give up that relationship? And. Uh, are you willing to allow God to deal with those hidden proclivities that keep you up at night. Proclivities. And what I mean by proclivities is those things that we deal with, those addictions, those, those, those issues. 
Right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Those issues. Those issues. Amen. Amen. Don't get mad at my big words. Don't y'all hate on my big words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You should thank God for a learned man. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, we thank God for that. We thank God. <laughs> Um, but what I mean is this, is those things that we deal with secretly that we don't want nobody to know, those things that we can hide behind, right? That it's not really so publicly seen. We can't outwardly see it like it's not something that's on our face, on our body, but it's those issues within inside of us that if anybody knew about it, that we don't think that they would look at us the same way. Those issues, you know what that thing is for you, right? You know what that issue is. And so I'm asking you, if God really dealt with that, are you ready for him to deal with that? When you say, God, I want you to, to make me all that you want me to be, are you really ready to allow him to deal with that thing? Because that thing is that comfortable thing I was talking about. It's that thing that you've been dealing with for so long that you kind of just accepted that it's there. But God says, no, I can deal with that too. I can deal with that thing too, but you got to be willing to step outside of your comfortable zone and know that I'm still hiding you. Because the Bible tells us he hides us in his pavilion, right? So even though it's uncomfortable, it's a place where you say, God, I really want you to deal with this thing. And I'm not sure what that looks like, but I just know I want to be delivered from this. I don't want to deal with this for the rest of my life. God says, I want to deal with that thing. But you got to be willing, be ready. You got to know what that's going to mean for you when you do that. That means you can't go to the same places you used to go. That means you got to cut off some of those conversations. That means you got to get from around some people that you know are influences for you to go into places and do things and say things and feel things that may not be the right thing for you. That's keeping you, that's keeping your fire from being kindled in the right way, right? We know some fires can be kindled. Hallelujah. If you read my mind, you know what I mean. But what are those things doing? What are those things doing to us? How are they dealing? How are we dealing with it? Seriously, y'all, I want y'all to understand this. The enemy is doing his job and he's doing it well. He's doing it well, and he's seeking anyone that he can take out. Why? Because he knows that we understand and reach our potential in Christ. We are detrimental to his kingdom. That's why it's so hard to get away from that stuff, because the enemy wants to make it so that it's so enticing. It's so pulling you in. And it's that if I let this go, I don't know, man. I mean, I just feel unco- I, I don't, it's uneasy. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come in in those empty spaces and fill every gap, every hole that we have. But we have to be willing to surrender our hearts. We have to be willing to surrender our time in a manner that God can really deal with that stuff. That's why he is our helper. He will not leave you out there alone. He will not leave you forsaken. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God has a promise to us that he will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But we got to be willing to let go of that stuff. And I know it's hard because we deal with this flesh daily, but that's why the word tells us, I'm always going to tell you what the word says, that we have to die to the flesh daily. It has to be a daily proposition. It has to be a daily process for us. We can't think that we go to church today and then we're good till next Sunday. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The, 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 the moment you leave this door, the more you leave, get in your car and go home, the enemy is already at work. All right, I know they heard this, so I'm going to make that, that boy that I've been dealing with. I'm going to have him call her right now. I'm going to have him call her right now and say, what you doing later? Right? And you're like, oh, no, I was thinking I was probably going to stay home. And they say that little sweet nothing, and you right back where you are. Instead of running back to the word of God and saying, God, I know that you're able to move and do any impossible in my life. God, remove everything out of my life that is not like you. God, God, I want to give my life totally and completely to you. Hallelujah. I will not give in to temptation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, maybe it's just me. All right. 
Hallelujah. 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 The stuff that makes us relatable to people but keeps us bound to potential and never filled. So some things, you know, we think, oh, yeah, well, I, I, I ain't trying to be like those church folks because they all stuffy. They think they got it all together, da 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 No, it ain't that we got it all together. It's that we understand where our help comes from. And we, we always talk about, I don't need people that are real. No, these are real people. These are just real people that know a real God. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. So don't get fooled by this real thing that we put out there. Oh, I just like being around them because they just real. You know, they don't come with their stuff. Yeah, but are they living for anything? Are they living worth anything? Those people that live real, are they really living in a place where God is, is moving in their lives or are they still stuck in a, a circle of chaos? Some of these people that we have, have highlighted in our lives as real people because they're relatable or whatever. Yes, there is something to relatability, being able to not have a, a wall or feeling like you can be comfortable to talk to people. And we as Christians, let me say this too, we need to stop with the hostility stuff. We got to stop with that because it's killing the church. When we do that type of stuff. But, but let me get back to the main point is that we got to stop putting our, 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 our sights on people that live for nothing. But just because they are, they're, they're people that you can relate to, then you're able to hang up. But those people that you're relating to, they're not relating to you and your relationship with God. They're relating to that spirit and those sins and those issues in your heart. And they're driving it even more and more and more to that. And they're driving you farther away from God. They're driving you farther away from him. Hallelujah. When we look at the physical act of worship, when we break down the origin of the word worship, it comes out of the word worth, W-O-R-T-H, ship, worthship, meaning the person is worth your attention. He has given us commands throughout scripture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Present, your li uh, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. But uh, what I'm really asking you today when we talk about worship, the fire meaning that fire that we present to God, our worship, the passion that we present to God, is it something that's really worth his time? Is it worth his attention? Is it worth the time for him to put in that he puts in for us daily to, to give us mercy and grace when we don't deserve it? Is it worth that? The stuff that we're really asking for, is it really worth his attention or is it just feeding the issues of our heart? Is the stuff that we're asking to do, that, that new job, that new thing, is it really about getting into a place where you can be more available to him or is it just being about to, to show off to your friends what money you got, what cars you're able to get with this new job? Because all that that's going to do is feed your ego and guess what? You got your reward right there. That's where it ends, right there. But when you give something that's worth his attention, it's a worth, it, it takes you through a lifetime. It takes you through a lifetime. And so we have to understand, y'all, that this is why we have to make sure that our fire is not strange before him. We got to make sure that our fire is something that is familiar to him because he's only familiar with a, a, fami a, with a selfless sacrifice because you know what? That's what he did. When he gave up his son, that was something that was selfless. That was something that was without regard. That was unconditional love. But we come to him with our conditions. And he says, well, I gave unconditionally to you. Because see, where you had, were messed up, where Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, you were set to, to a life of hell. But I had to bring my son. I had to give my only son up who came in this world and gave up his life undeserving took on all of our sin, not some of it, but all of our sin, went through every temptation, went through all of this stuff so that we could have a right relationship back with God. And so what he's saying is this stuff that you're asking me for, is this worship you're lifting up to me? Is it worth my time? Because my time for you was full of worth. 
full of attention. I gave my all for you. I gave to the fact that he had to turn his face away from Jesus on the cross so that he could restore the relationship with us. So when you think about what you're giving to God, is it worth his attention? Or let me ask this question. Is what you're giving to God really what he's worth? Have you been really giving God your best or have you just been giving him enough to get by? I'm going to tell you this as a worship. I'm a former worship pastor. And anybody that has worked with me will tell you I am very particular about time. And I'm very particular about my time. And if you come and you're playing with my time, I don't have time for you. Okay. <laughs> and so I always put this demand on them. I said, you know, listen, I want you guys to make sure we had we would have our sound check on Sunday mornings at nine o'clock. And 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 so I was like, be here at nine o'clock and we're gonna start the and, and the thing was when I did my sound checks with them before service, it wasn't just about um, you know, getting the songs prepared for service, but it was about um, also getting our hearts aligned in, in, in the right space to be able to minister to, uh, confidently to the people of God. And so I said, be there at nine, because we're starting. Uh, what do you say? God shows up at nine o'clock, right? <laughs> he shows up at nine o'clock. So nine o'clock, I'll be there. And so people thought I was playing the first time. So the first time it happened, I saw people strolling in there. I said, all right, it's nine o'clock. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Who wasn't there? Oh, y'all ain't here? Okay, fine. Yeah, you can sit out this Sunday. Why? Because I understand that our time is precious and God's time is precious. And I had to put it, I had to put intention in the heart to understand we can't play with God. I don't care if it's church. I don't care if it's whatever. Everything I do has to have the intention that I want to give God my best. So that means I can't give him my leftovers. I can't come in tired and messed up. I don't care if I am tired. At the time when I know this is something that's going to bring God glory, I'm giving him all of my attention. I'm giving him everything I have. I'm submitting myself in my heart to say, you know what? I can't keep playing with this thing. I got to be here at 9 o'clock. And, and it matters, as a matter of fact, I asked them to be there at 9 o'clock. I would be there at 8 o'clock. As the leader, and because because I understood and I had a passion in my heart that I wanted to see God revealed. So I didn't want to be getting up at nine o'clock trying to wrestle myself and get, get into a place to figure out what God wants. No, I wanted to be settled in my spirit and I knew that God was pleased with what we were about to do. So how does that translate to what I'm saying to you all? You have to have intention behind everything you do and everything you how you move and live in this life, because it helps us to get into a place to be prepared to bring him glory. So your time has to matter. You can't be giving him leftover stuff. I don't care what else is going on. All the distractions in the world, they can wait. Because guess what? They're going to come under the glory of God anyway. So what is in your heart? What have you put before God? What have you put and tried to make it as equal to God? But God says, I didn't ask for that thing. What I'm asking for is you. So when you say, I give you all of me, that doesn't mean when I show up. It means how I show up. How I show up matters. How you show up matters. How Nahab, Nadab and Abihu showed up, it mattered, and it eventually cost them their lives. Because they were playing with God. And the thing was, they knew. They had an understanding. They knew what this assignment was. They knew the instructions. Some of us know the word of God, but we still choose to do our own thing, and we're causing ourselves pain. We're causing ourselves issues, and we wonder why we still deal with some of the same stuff we deal with because we have not gotten ourselves to the place to make sure that we're doing it in the manner that God has required for us. We're just choosing them to give him whatever we got as if he did nothing for us. I can't do it. 
Can't do it. So it comes to my last point. That brings me to my last point. Consider God. Consider God. First Chronicles 13, 10 through 12. We're talking to David a little bit. Let me read this for you in my, in my scripture. First Chronicles 13, 10 through 12. So we're talking, this is David as he's in preparation to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so this is, he's already worked on that way. And, and God, he had went to go pick up the Ark of the Covenant. And you have Uzzah, who was a priest that was carrying it. And the Ark of the Covenant began to fall. And Uzzah reached out his hand to try to catch it. And it cost him his life. Again, we see a situation where it cost him his life. And so this is where the, core, the story comes in. In verse 10, it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the Ark. And there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, wherefore that place is called Perizzah to this day. And David then, this is interesting, was afraid of God that day, saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? See, after David had moved out of his on his own will with how he chose to, to, to go and uh, to receive, retrieve the ark of the covenant, um, he was doing it outside of the way that God, see what the problem was, it's not so much they were going to get the Ark of the Covenant, which the Ark of the Covenant was a representation of the presence of God. It was the presence of God that was built into the Ark of the Covenant. So, so David was on a mission to go get it, but what he had forgotten is, see, let me, let me give you a little history lesson. Thank you, Jesus. So the Ark of the Covenant was currently at this time amongst the Philistines who were ungodly people who were people that were not of the way that the Israelites were of. And so they had no general care for the presence of God because they didn't have the same instructions. They didn't have the same mission that the Israelites had with the presence of God. And so again, God had given them specific instructions on how you carry the glory of God. Think about that. I want you to hear that. They have been given instructions on how to carry his glory. God has given us instructions on how to carry his glory. And so David is going into an un, uh, ungodly territory, going into people that had no commitment, that had no allegiance to God, who were carrying the glory of God any type of way. Hear me. It was carrying the glory of God any type of way because they had no allegiance to God to come and bring it back to its rightful place. But instead of them going by the instructions that God had originally set for them, they decided to take on the attributes of the Philistines and carrying the glory of God. So what am I saying there is that not only did the Israelites not do it that way, but they were taking on the character of those who had no type of relationship with God. And they thought that they could then carry the glory of God and get it back to his rightful place. Again, it was strange unto God. Strange fire. There you go. Strange fire. It was strange. It was strange. And so then God is like, all right, I'm, I'm going to see how far they're going to go with this. Then Uzzah, who again was a priest who had knowledge, went out to try to catch it, thinking he's doing something good, but he was already walking with the glory of God outside of the commandment of how God told him to do it. And now he's reaching because now he's out there in this mess, in this way of thinking, in this way of moving, and he's moving outside of the will of God. So he's unclear about how to even do it anymore because he's already carrying it wrong. And now it's falling. Come on, I want you all to see the symbolism in all of this. The glory of God is falling. And Uzzah's like, oh, let me go catch it. 
outside of the instructions. What happens? He dies. He dies. And so then David gets upset with God. He said, God, why would you? He was just trying to catch the, the ark. It was outside of the instructions God had given. But we, don't we get like that? God, why would you allow this? I was going to church. I was praying every day. I was doing this. I was doing that. Why did you allow this to happen in my life? Yeah, you were doing all these things, but it was not the way that I intended for you to do it. Going to church ain't just for going to church. We can't think that that's the will of God just because you show up. The devil comes to the house of God. He knows the word better than some of us. So that ain't enough. That's not it. He didn't say just come to my house. He said present yourself holy and acceptable before me, which is our reasonable service. Our reasonable service. And so David, it's funny because after that, in that very next verse, it says that, what is it? He said, David was afraid of God that day. Meaning not that he, he probably was terrified, but it was more so he had a reverence that came over him. So he went from being mad and he quickly got himself together and said, I fear the Lord. And then he asked this question at the end. He says, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So what he realized was that in his original attempt to bring the covenant back to Jerusalem, he had not considered God's ways. So I'm asking you today, as you think about your worship, your life, your ambition, your passion, how you live and move throughout each day, have you considered God in your movement? Before you do anything, have you consulted with him about what he wants from you? And are you okay with what he says if it's not what you think it should be? You want to you wanna be with this person over here, but that person is committed to somebody else. But because you can't have them, you don't want nobody else to have them. Is that the will of God? And yet you're and, and when you sitting here pining over this person that's not meant for you, God got somebody way better over here. But you can't get to them because you all off track over here. You've been praying about that issue, that, that bill, that, 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 the money issues you've been having. And God says, okay, well, I want to be able to help you with that. These are my instructions for you. I need you to be a cheerful giver. I need you to be a tither. I need you to be all these things. And yet we play with our money. We're unwise with our money. And then we expect God to do these miracles in our lives. And God is like, listen, I'm going to give you grace. But in order to get the fullness of what I have for you, get yourself in order with what I've commanded you to do through the word. If you want to see if you want to see life in that more abundantly, get your life in order. Get your life in order. We got to stop playing. God is not playing with us. This culture is ready to chew us up and spit us out. We have gotten to this, the, the church culture right now has gotten so out of shape and out of whack because we're trying to meet certain standards and try to look so like this to the world and that to the world that we're so almost unrecognizable anymore. And that ain't me. Listen, I got jeans on up here. It ain't about the way we dress and that, but it's the intent of our heart. What motivates us? What are we looking to get out of all these things that we're doing? What is your life building up to? But David had to consider God. He said, and so he comes back and I'm coming to a close and he says, after he got himself back and he considered God, he said, you know what, because the, uh, the rest of the story goes is this. The, they picked up the Ark of the Covenant, and he had to take it over to Obed-Edom's house. And it stayed there for three months. So for three months, Obed-Edom housed the glory of God. While David 
went and got himself reconciled with God to understand, God, how would you like the glory to be brought back? So we got to do that same thing. So, yes, I've been hard on us today. I'm saying us because I'm a part of this. I'm not just preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself this morning. Now that we understand that maybe there might be some areas in my life that I got to get right back in line so that my fire will not be something that is strange unto God, but it'll be familiar to him. It'll come from a familiar place that he can use it and he can reveal his glory in my life. Now that I know that and I understand that, God, what is it that you want from me? Now, I really want to give you all of me. I don't want to just say it anymore. I really want to lay my life down because I know the life that you give me is way better than anything I can dream up for myself. And let me tell you, God's dreams for us are big. They are huge. They are large. They're gargantuous. And they are able to do something more than we could ever exceed or for ourselves. And so I just need you to understand that. I want you to ask today, and I'm closing. Um, we want, I want you to ask the Lord today. Lord, I want you to first to think about your life. Think about the ambitions of your life. Think about what you've been thinking about, the things that are driving you, and ask yourself, have these things really been pleasing to God, or are they pleasing myself? And am I really tied to what God really wants for my life? And if I really knew and understood what he wanted for my life, would I be satisfied with that? And if I'm not satisfied, then I got to do some talking to God so that I can really get to a place of understanding what his will is for my life and understand, not just understand it, but become to love it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. So any and everything that God has purpose for your life, when you seek him first, his righteousness, his peace, his joy, the peace that you're looking for is tied up in his will. The joy that you need is tied up in his will. That depression that you need to go in Jesus' name, get your fire right. Get your fire back in line so that his will can be illuminated in your life. We got to consider God. We got to consider his ways because his ways are not our ways, but his, his thoughts are not our thoughts. But he knows way more than we could ever know. And let me tell you, his work, his, his plans for you are sure. They are sure. We don't have to worry. We don't have to worry that anything is going to happen when God is on our side. The Bible tells us no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It might form, but it will not prosper. But you got to get in line. You got to re readjust your fire. Get the kindle back where it needs to be. Go back to the word of God. Get yourself hooked up with people that will push you toward him. Get from around those people that are causing you no good and keeping you in, in, around in that, in that life of sin, that are keeping you around in those ways and those issues and those heart. You know there's some things, and I believe this is in the house. There's somebody that's dealing with people that they know mean them no good. And even when you're around them, those issues, those proclivities, those things that, 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 that cause us to, to kind of waver against God, they get, they get it aroused when we're around these people. And God is saying, if you would just let them go and come back to the altar, come back to the tabernacle of my heart so that I can really deal with the issues behind what's drawing you to them and draw you away from them and draw you closer to me. I want your fire to be rekindled in the way that I intended for it to be fired. A fire that can never be put out. I want to feel a feel of unquenchable thirst in your life.
I want the rivers of living water to flow in your life. But you got to be willing to give up all of that other stuff. If you really want all of me, give me all of you. So I submit to you today, will you consider God in your life today? Will you consider him in your walk? Will you consider him in your talk? Will you consider him in your plans? How do you really want God to show up in your life? Do you really want to see the fullness of God? Do you really want to see him at work in your life for real in the way that only he can? I give you all of me. Give you all of me. Give you all of me. I'm yours. I give you all of me. Give you all of me. Give you all of me. I'm yours. Can we sing that together? I give. I give you all of me. Give you Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you would subscribe so you can continue to be empowered by the latest message. For more information about Transformation Christian Fellowship or Pastor Brandon Hill, visit our website, transformationchristianfellowship.org, or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to the number 94000 or visit our website. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.